Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. Our guest today is Jacqueline Wales. Jacqueline has spent much of her career exploring the effects of fear on our lives and developing strategies to move past the fear to achieve our goals. From my experience, fear can be the number one reason people do not move forward on their career goals and dreams, and that is why we are so delighted to have her with us today. So everybody, please welcome our guest, Jacqueline. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Lorraine. Happy to be here. Can you share with our audience um, your career, what path your career has taken? Well, my career has been a little bit of a wonky career compared to most people's, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, most people go on that career trajectory, they're going up the ladder, they're doing their thing and, and you know, promotions after promotions, etc. Uh, I never chose that path simply because I knew that I was, was kind of like a renegade, if you like. Uh, I've always lived my life outside of the, the normal box and whatever normal means to you. So my career path currently with what I'm doing really really started out as a result of several years of doing many different activities as a writer, as a singer, as, as a global nomad who wandered the, the globe with my family, uh, and then coming back to the United States again, being told that, you know, what I was doing was probably bringing my experiences to people who really needed to help with change. And at the time, it was a kind of a foreign idea to me. It was like, yeah, I've been talking to people for years about, you know, how to change your thinking, but now we're going to formalize it. And of course that meant, you know, taking up a career as a coach. So when I first started this and I'm, I'm totally transparent about age, I was 53 years old when, when I was presented with this idea. Now this is kind of like, you know, more than midlife reinvention. This is like, we're, we're in the final second half, if you like. So, um, I took it on and at the same time I was aware that I knew nothing about nothing and at least that's how I felt at the time. And so my career path has really taken a very unorthodox route which was really about how do I take all of my experience and translate that into something that can serve other people to the best of, of my ability. And so I wrote my first book called The Fearless Factor and I wrote it primarily for women to help them understand how to develop their confidence and how to really step out into the world in a bigger way based on a lot of my own experiences with that. Uh, and it was really totally set up as a piece of credibility because having no professional background to call on, I needed something that would define who I am and what I do. So that was the fearless factor and that became my brand. And over the last 15 years, I've developed that brand to become even more uh, of a statement about how people can really get past the fears that hold them back from uh, achieving the things that they want, who are, you know, want to fulfill their potential. Uh, and so giving, you know, lots of research on that for me, but also, you know, workshops, uh, retreats, and so forth. And then last year, I wrote The Fearless Factor at Work, because after 10 years of coaching clients in organizations, I began to see the patterns of, of what was holding people back from really stepping into their authenticity in the workplace. Uh, and of course, 
you know, realization that fear is primarily a mindset issue. Fear is an emotion. So how do we get a handle on that emotion? Because I like to say that being fearless is not the absence of fear, but it's the courage to take the next step. That's really all we have to think about. What is the next step? And can you show up for that? So the fearless factor at work is kind of like a virtual mentor because there's a lot of questions in that book. And I like to say everybody's looking for answers, but I have to say you have to ask the questions first. So there's a lot of self-reflection, a lot of that piece of, of figuring out who I am, what am I doing that serves me, what am I doing that undermines me, and how can I take that next step to move beyond the fear. So the career, as I say, the career trajectory has definitely been a seat of your pants version, uh, and uh, here we are, you know, but I'm definitely confident in what I've managed to achieve in these last 15 years. Um, and, you know, like most people, you kind of look at it and go, how did I get here? Well, you get here by taking each day at one at a time and also just keep showing up. Very simple. Fantastic advice. Um, obviously, you know, I, I think you're an expert on dealing with fear. Before we move too much further in the conversation, you touched on the definition of fear, but let's just um, put it out there so people understand when we keep using the word fear. What does that mean? Fear is when we get into a state of hesitation, anxiety, um, thinking that things are going to be the worst case scenario. And especially in this day and age, when we have so much to, to feel uncertain about, it becomes a real piece uh, right there. So fear is the, the uncertainty, if you like. You know, it's that pit of your stomach. I don't know what the future looks like. Uh, and uh, I'm going to build all kinds of scenarios about how it's going to go. It's tied into negative thinking. It's tied into that fight or flight type of thinking that, that goes on. Uh, and, and so fear is something that we have a, a control over, you know, because our greatest fear, of course, is that we can't handle whatever it is that comes our way. So, yeah, I'll just set myself up for failure, if you like. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are associated with fear, which is one of them being failure, uh, fear of loss, fear of humiliation, fear of rejection. And of course, on the other side of the failure coin is the fear of success, which you'll see people self-sabotaging when they start to get some success because they're afraid of what changes have to be made. And let's face it, when we get beyond our fears, it's about making a change, changing our thinking, a change in our behavior. And as we know, most people are very resistant to change, even although change is the only thing that we can actually guarantee. So let's bring it home to, um, we've got a, a good definition of fear. We're probably all going, oh yeah, I see that in somebody else. How do we see in ourselves the signs that fear is negatively impacting our career? Are there any markers like I can look around and go, oh gee, this is what I did and that's a sign that I am letting So fear. let's think about this for, for starters. Um, speaking up, uh, women in, in professional roles frequently take a back seat. Uh, you're sitting in a board meeting or you're sitting at a, at a meeting in a conference room and the men are taking up a lot of space. And the woman's sitting there and she's got a lot of good ideas, but she's thinking, oh, maybe if I put it out there, they're just going to step all over me or dismiss me, call me stupid, blah, blah, blah. This is the internal dialogue that's going on. So you find yourself being quiet or if you put an idea out there, 
and maybe somebody else will corral that idea and make it their idea. And so therefore you don't step in and go, you know, well, I already said that five minutes ago. Um, so you keep quiet again. This idea of staying quiet is a major hurdle for people who want to, to be seen and heard in the workplace. Now, there's a lot of people sitting around hoping that somebody's going to notice they're doing a great job. And the bottom line is they're not noticing you because they're too busy with their own stuff. So if you don't have a voice and you don't have an investment in stepping in and having that fearless piece of being able to step over that, that, you know, that line, if you like, the courage to say, uh, excuse me, but that doesn't work for me, you know. Um, so swallowing is a big issue for people in, in the workplace. And it's not just for women, men do the same thing, but, but less so. Because as we know, uh, when it's a new job situation, a man will come in with a lot, lot of bravado, and, you know, yeah, I can do this, it's just fine. And a woman actually won't take that role on until she knows absolutely that she's got most of it handled. So again, there's that piece of, of holding yourself back from truly stepping into it. Now, one of the things I do with my clients is I teach them how to have a voice in the conversation. And part of that is knowing how to have the, the conversation. It's communication skills. And frequently, they're missing. They're not taught it properly in business school, and they're definitely not taught it in the workplace. You're supposed to go figure it out for yourself. So, you know, my piece is let's teach you how to phrase things. Let's teach you how to step into how you can take control. Because when you give up control, when you give up to other people, you're giving your power away and you're giving other people permission to diminish you. And I'm very much about helping people understand how that actually works and what we can do to get beyond it. So I'm understanding, I think in both um, examples in the, in the meeting, when you're not speaking up or somebody else, um, you know, repeats your, what you've said and, and claims it as their own, or when you're starting in a job and you hesitate to speak up until, you know, you're the expert in it. So what strategies for maybe having that conversation would you share? So if we think about the, the, the meeting issue, for instance, there are no stupid ideas. They're simply a thought. I've been thinking, you know, or I hear that you're presenting this, and if you don't understand it, help me understand. Because when you use that phrase, help me understand, it opens the door for people to feel like, oh, I got something that's worth listening to. But not only that, if you're tapping into the, someone's ability to say, I want to share information with you. But I think the help me, help me understand piece is an important thing, not just to stay quiet on that. If somebody has stolen your idea, you have to say, you know, five minutes ago, I mentioned that. And John over here seems to think this is his idea. Okay, so John, can you help me understand why you think you thought this first? Now, this is very confrontational in many ways. And again, women, for the most part, don't like confrontation. I deal with this a lot. Um, but I think there's, there's ways for you to make it clear what your position is. Let's say you've got a bad boss, for instance. Got a bad boss who just basically rides roughshod over you, throws stuff at you, doesn't give any real good explanation about why or what or who or when, but simply expects you just to get on with it. 
Okay, this is a this is a definite scenario that happens over and over again. So how do we help people to address that one? Again, it's going to the person that's responsible for this and saying, I really like, you know, that you've given me all this to do, but there are certain things here that I'm not quite clear on. Can you help me understand? So this this phraseology of help me understand is really asking for support but it's also saying, I see you and I hear you. It's not somebody, because frequently we know it's all about telling people what to do. It's about asking. And that's another big piece that I teach my people how to do, especially my managers. You know, ask. Don't just tell people what to do. Engage with them. Enroll them in this process because you'll get far more out of people when you do that. And I think that's a really big piece right there. And a lot of people are afraid to talk to their bosses. Well, it's my boss. Can't talk to my boss. Well, does he put his pants on the same way you do? Uh-huh. Okay. And to get quite crude, does he go to the bathroom the same way you do? Yes, he does. Okay, great. Your people. So he's got his role to play and you've got your role to play. And together, you need to have some kind of continuity. Otherwise, things are disjointed. Why do people exist in silos? You know, and why do the companies end up being dysfunctional where, you know, it's costing them millions of dollars to, to drive productivity and performance? Um, it's because there's no conversation. There's no collaboration. Very simple. So I love the tip. Help me understand. And, you know, going to your boss with that. But that fear of opening your mouth. I mean, yes, making it understandable that you're both the same, that you're both human, but any other methods or strategies for starting that conversation with the boss or somebody in a so position the, that you're concerned about? Yeah. The question at the back of the mind is always, what's the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. You get dismissed, not just, you know, dismissed from the company. You just get dismissed from the office, mm -hmm. you know, um, or you might be told you don't know what you're talking about, which would then feed into your insecurity about who you are and how competent you think you are, which is a, is a huge deal. Um, and I think the confidence factor has to play into this. Now, I like to say when people say to me, how do I build confidence? I go uh, one day at a time one practice at a time, because that's how we build our confidence. You just test the waters. So if you're unwilling to test the waters, well, then you're pretty much stuck where you are. You're not going to go anywhere. So if you're on one hand thinking, I really want to get promoted. I really want to be more responsible for whatever it is that I'm doing in the workplace. Uh, I really want to be recognized for my contribution. Just doing your job is not enough. That's very simple. Just doing your job is not enough. You've got to put yourself in a way that allows people to see what you're doing, but you've also got to have that conversation. Again, I'm going to keep coming back to this. The fear of the conversation is one of the greatest pieces of obstruction that you can put into your career the fear of the conversation. Now, many times what happens is you'll get a reaction like, I'm so happy you asked me that. Because it didn't occur to them that there was an issue here because nobody's talking about it. 
So when you get to a place where you can actually talk about it, it opens up all kinds of doors to be recognized, to think about what your contribution is to the team, to think about, you know, new ideas that you can bring to, to the processes. Now, people, you know, we've got two kinds of people, those with a growth mindset and those with a fixed mindset. And of course, the fixed mindsets, it's like, yeah, we've always done it that way. We'll always do it that way. Okay. The growth mindset says, you know, I never thought about that before. That's a good idea. Let me work on that one. Or bring to me some other things that might actually help us expand on this. So by opening up the dialogue, by opening up the conversation, you're giving yourself what you want. I want recognition. Of course I do. Nobody wants to feel that they're slaving away five days a week and you're just another cog in the wheel, you know. So let's tap into how you um, help people get the courage to have that conversation. Are there steps, strategies, ways we can practice? Yes. Um, I'll give you an example. I had someone who had been at a company for 21 years and she had reached a fairly senior level, but yet her boss was not giving her a raise in salary. He was not giving her any direct reports that, that she could create a, a beautiful team with. Uh, and she didn't know how to address this because after 21 years of just keeping her head down and doing the job, she was ready to move ahead. So we worked on having the conversations about inviting people into a conversation. You know, it's like, can I take 10 minutes of your time to talk about whatever this aspect of things is? because I'd like to think about how to do this a bit, a bit differently. Most people said yes. Now that was a starter, okay. I also encouraged her to find her allies. Who in the organization already supports you? Who in the organization already thinks well of you? And who already knows what it is that you're contributing if you're trying to get through to someone else. Have a conversation with them about what's the best way to approach this individual because many bosses are unapproachable. It's like they're up in the ivory tower and, you know, the door's closed, you know, and don't come in unless you're invited. Just get on with it. So how do you open that up? Well, of course, you know, she had to have conversations with her boss. And as far as the pay rise was concerned, she had to make her case for why after 21 years, she deserved a, a little bit more seniority and she certainly deserved more money. He was still resistant to that even after the conversations. But I did hear that a year later, she got her promotion, she got her pay rise, but it took a lot of the conversation to make that happen, where she was doing some real kick-ass work in the, in, in the organization. And this is an organization that everybody's heard of, and it has a reputation for being hugely dysfunctional. <laughs> and they do not treat people well, especially women. So it's technology. That's the only thing I'll tell you is technology. <laughs> So, you know, there, this was a big piece and um, I, I really went to bat for her with her boss. I actually had a converse, two conversations with him and I said, here's what I'm hearing and here's what you need to think about. So as far as being her coach, 
that was my position with with her, which is, you know, I need you to get in the conversation, find your allies and find a way to make it clear what's necessary. And you prepare for these conversations. You don't just kind of show up and hope you're going to wing it. You actually think about the scenario. Mm -hmm. What is what are you what outcome do you want from it? Okay, and where do you perceive that the challenges will be? Okay, so I, I love it. Last thing you said, I think, is the most important. You just don't wing it. You just don't go, oh, I want to raise. I'm just going to pop into my boss's office and say, hey, you know, I deserve more money. Um, but what I really like, too, is that you encourage people to talk to individuals who understand the best way to present something to a boss or to a leader. So it's not just thinking out what you're going to say. It's figuring out your strategy for what the person that you're going to be working with is open to hearing. Is that mm-hmm. kind of kind of what I'm okay? Yeah. So um, many of us get on the job and suffer from something called the imposter syndrome, which I'm going to ask you to define because it really is, I think, tied into um, fear. So why don't you define that for us, and then we'll talk about how we're going to handle it. So the imposter syndrome is is a, a piece of fear which is underlies everything. I'm not good enough. And so if you have a tape playing in your head about I'm not good enough, and I know that one because I had it for a long time, you're constantly trying to prove yourself. You need more credentials. You need more information. You need more and more and more. I see this especially with women. They're always taking courses. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I got to somehow prove myself you know, so, and God knows I've done this myself, so I I get it, but um, the imposter syndrome is really tied into that, I'm not good enough, and I'm not credible enough, Mm -hmm. so even for women who have reached an enormous amount of success, and and recently I was uh, talking with a head of a uh, ex-CEO of a massive technology company, And she, to this day, still admits that there's times when she questions whether she's capable or if someone's just going to find out that she's been faking it for however long she's been faking it, which, of course, has got nothing at all to do with faking it. She has worked hard to be one of the first female CEOs in in Silicon Valley and, you know, really deserves all the accolades that that she has at this point. But that little core piece inside of her, and I like to say it's the little girl inside of her, is like, really? Really? You want to do this with me? You want to give me this responsibility? You know, and it, it kind of takes that tone to it. But it's that piece of one day they're just going to wake up and find out that, yeah, I'm not as good as I seem to be, you know, and I'm not really cut out for this role. But that's the, the dialogue that you have internally. And it may not be conscious either. Imposter syndrome is not necessarily conscious, but it is there because that thing of I'm just waiting to be found out is really at core of imposter syndrome. We are going to take a very short break and then we're going to come back and continue our conversation on the imposter syndrome and see if we can figure out how to get that little voice inside us to quit talking to us so that we can be the successful professional we want to be. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book. Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to our conversation with Jacqueline about fear and how it is holding back your career. Right before the break, we were talking about the imposter syndrome. And it, we got to the point where it's that little voice inside that's saying, are you sure you can do this? Maybe you can, but I don't think so. And so we're going to pop back um, on at that point and say, how do we get that little voice to maybe be quiet? And Jacqueline, it's, it's, it's to you. What do you think? How well, do do I, that? I think a lot of the time when we have that negative dialogue in our, our head, you have to ask who's doing the talking. And uh, one of the things that I've discovered uh, over this, this research I do around fear is that a great many of our fears are planted at an earlier age. Now, we know that, you know, Tolstoy wrote, you know, happy families are all the same and unhappy families are far more interesting because there's far more stories. And most of us grew up maybe not so much in the happy family category. And uh, we deal with people who had their own insecurities, their own resentments, their own disappointments. And so there's messages that kind of get passed along about how capable you are or how far you think you can go or where it is you think you should be in life. You know, you name it. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that's there. So when you hear the negative voice in your head, you hear that we voice that you may not even hear to begin with, but, you know, you got to start paying attention to this stuff you have to ask yourself who's doing the talking because frequently it's not you it comes from another source and it might be a parent it might be about a boss it might be a friend who was supposed to be well-meaning but you know 
definitely was not in and it just stuck because these are the messages that stick to you um so when you think about the imposter syndrome and that sense of am i capable am i credible am i uh you know can i do what i want to do am i waiting to be found out um are people going to really uh see through me you know this is all the kind of thinking that takes place in your head so catch it and this is what we call the gremlins of the mind you know when you hear that chatter 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 stuff um to reduce the chatter in your head try reversing the phrase if you're not credible i am credible look at everything i've done in my life look at all the things i've created look at all these different roles that i've i've experienced and look at where i am today this becomes the positivity side of things it's far easier to go to the negative than it is to go to the positive for those who are conditioned to always go to the negative so embedding positive messages in your mind is like setting different neural pathways and so it's like the the confidence factor as i said earlier when somebody says how do i get more confidence and i say show up every day and do something that challenges you and just take that next step that's how you become more confident and the same thing is true for the internal chatter that's going on in your head ask yourself is it true and this is one of the key questions when i when people bring up fear is it true do you have empirical evidence that what you're thinking is true nine times out of ten you don't you're just making stuff up okay and so the excuses that come up and the excuses are very much about well like i said earlier i can't ask for that promotion because well maybe i don't deserve it now deserving is another big issue um around the fears because if you feel in your your internal headspace here that somehow you don't deserve your accolades you don't deserve to be you know whatever that is a big piece right there so for instance when people are given compliments they want to give you a big story about why they deserve it instead of which all this needed is two words thank you that's great i feel great thank you very much so cutting that dialogue in your head reframing things it's what i call the limited beliefs and our limited beliefs are about holding it up write it down i mean i'm all a big journal person so write that stuff down and then ask yourself is it true and if it's not true i want you to write the opposite of it and then ask yourself is that true maybe maybe not okay well if that's your aspiration moving away from the negative column into the positive column if that's your aspiration work it because it doesn't happen overnight but at the same time i'm a great believer that change doesn't have to take forever if you stop resisting because resistance is where you get caught up in knots right there every time we resist oh no no maybe not no i can't go there no okay that's resistance what excuses do you want to make for yourself today i'm tired i don't feel like it can't be bothered it's no point anyway because i'm never going to get it you know i mean that's the that's the the the, the stuff that generally tends to float around in the head and my point being is test it if you don't I test it. it you don't know 
I can see if you've got that message, I don't deserve it, and you put it on the I don't deserve it to the I deserve it, and then start making a huge list of why you deserve it. So to, yeah, to negate that. Wonderful ideas on how to deal with the imposter system um, syndrome, but I, I want to tap into another um, fear that holds so many people back, and that's the fear of conflict. And so often to be promoted, to take a management position, even to answer an interview question on how do you handle conflict, we all go, ooh, I try to avoid it, but not a good idea, right? Not a good idea. And I, you know, personal story, I hated conflict when I was younger. I mean, I grew up with a great deal of conflict. Uh, but when it came to confrontational conversations, I would steer clear of them. I would either, you know, ignore people altogether or I'd ask somebody else to do it. My husband used to say to me, no, I'm not doing it for you. You do it. Okay. But, but I, I don't know how to do that. And, and what are they going to think of me? They're going to reject me. They're going to judge me. They're going to, they're going to shut me out. I'll feel terrible. So, you know, that's, that's a piece of what's going on in your head, basically. But there's ways to have difficult conversations. And that piece is, again, the framing of it. It's the framing of the conversation. So let's say somebody is doing something that you don't like or that is impacting your job. Now, we know that there's a lot of people in the workplace who are left there who should have been fired a long time ago. And I had a conversation again with a CEO recently who said, I can't fire him. He's been here for, you know, 15, 20 years. And how much is he costing you? It was my question. What is he costing you? What is he costing you and how bad your teams are running? What is he costing you in revenue? What is he costing you in terms of the reputation of your company? So you need to have that conversation, which is, you know, we've tried, and he did, he tried every which way to get this guy to show up and be his best self. Didn't work. So after you've tried many different things and it's still not working, then you have to have that hard conversation. So that goes along the lines of, you know, We've really tried hard. And over the years, I know you've done a good job. You got to go at the positive first. Mm -hmm. You got to go at the positive first. I know you've done a good job. Um, but there's some things here that I think we're really ready for a change with. And um, I know that you've contributed a great deal to, to the conversations and to what we're doing here. But we've kind of reached the end of the road at this stage. Now, I know that for you, this might you know, come as a little bit of a shock, uh, but nevertheless, I made a decision. That's a big piece of the conversation right there. You have to make a decision to go into that conversation. You can't waffle on it. And again, preparation is everything. It's like, I know what this person's behavior has been. I know how his defensive stuff is going to kick in. And I know that he's going to get very argumentative and perhaps very angry with me. But I'm clear on what my piece is. And he may not think very much of me. Now, there's too many people going around with the need to be liked. They're in the approval zone where it's like, you know, just, just be happy and, and don't dislike me, which is one category where people really hate confrontation and difficult conversations, you know, because I'm always trying to please people. Um, so knowing that by trying to please people, you're undermining your own sense of self, 
that becomes a, a major piece. And again, if I was coaching somebody in this, we'd be looking at their approval issues. We'd be looking at where they don't make decisions. We'd be looking at where they, they kind of keep their heads down um, and then how to, to raise it up. Uh, you know. So for instance, people who are approval oriented, I will always say to them, ask yourself this simple question. Does this serve my best interests? Does it serve my best and highest interest? If it does not, and your answer to that is no, then you need to have the conversation and you need to work your way through it. But again, it's about being very clear that whatever reaction that person is having, it's not about you. It's about the situation. And yes, they might be unhappy that they're about to get their ass thrown out the door. But at the same time, that's not your problem. And if you're trying to make nice with that, which nice being socially acceptable, then you're in trouble. Very simple. So you have to get really strong in your core to be able to say, yeah, I need to do this because this is the best path forward. And if it's an open conversation about how do we change things, which is another part of the difficult conversations, how can we make changes? Again, go to the positive. I see that what you're doing has really contributed X, Y, Z. But I think there's other ways we can do this that would give us even better results. Are you open to listening to what that could be? You see how we frame that? And when you frame it up properly, you're basically in a constructive conversation, not a destructive conversation. I really like that because what I'm hearing you say is, first of all, decide, is this something important? If it's important to moving forward, then you have to have the conversation, start it with something positive, then move into the change that you want, show that you've made a decision, and then understand that the person's reaction is not so much to you, but to the situation. That is very, very powerful. And I know a lot of people hopefully will take that and suddenly be able to go, mm, I guess this confrontation is important enough to have that I yeah. will kind of go outside of my um, comfort zone. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really the key piece there. You know, does it matter to you? You know, if it doesn't matter to you that they're going about their, their way they're going about things and it's not impacting you, then there's no reason to have a conversation. But if it is having some kind of impact, then you need to be able to address that. And I think, you know, I would like to see that more often in organizations because I'm of a mind, I think most organizations are truly dysfunctional in the way they handle their people. Um, and they don't give them enough room to have uh, open dialogues and, and really be vulnerable and honest about what's going on. So people go to work with a mask on and they show up as somebody other than who they really are. And my work is all about, I want to help you be authentic. I want you to show up who you are and bring your whole self to the, to the game. Because after all, we spend, you know, 70, 80% of our lives in, in the workplace for a long time. So, you know, do I really want to get my gold watch at the end of the day and just call it quits? No, I want to feel like I contributed something. I want to feel like I'm leaving some kind of legacy, which, uh, you know, small or large, it doesn't matter, but it, it made a difference. You have shared so much information with our listeners. What we like to do is kind of have our guests 
give our listeners a challenge so that as they get off this podcast within a couple seconds, when it's safe, you know, if they're driving, obviously when they stop, but something that can help them down this path of starting to deal with their, their fear. So what would you challenge them to do? So the next time you feel yourself uh, either making an excuse or feeling hesitant about something, I want you to take a toe-in-the-water approach, which is, I'm going to test this out. Something small. doesn't have to be big. You don't have to go in and tell your boss he's an asshole. You just have to be able to say, you know, there's things here that need to be addressed. Find something small that is something you've never done before and make it happen. And when you have that voice in your head that goes, really, really, are you really going to do this? The answer is, yeah, I'm going to try. You know, Yoda said, no try, just do. So we're going to go with just do. I love it. So just do. Fantastic advice. Um, Before we end our our conversation, um, I really would like to have you share with our listeners um, a little bit about you, how they can reach out to you in terms of your coaching, about your books, because I know they're going to want to know more about how to deal with their fear. So um, you can reach me at my website, which is thefearlessfactoratwork.com, thefearlessfactoratwork.com. And you can find both my books, The Fearless Factor and The Fearless Factor at Work on Amazon. And feel free to reach out. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me under Jacqueline Wales. And uh, I'd be happy to have the conversation. So feel free to reach out. All right. But before we say goodbye, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Fear is imagination-based. Remember that. If fear is imagination-based, then you have to test it. So don't just have assumptions about what things are going on. Make sure that you know for a fact that that's what's going on. Don't just make up stuff because somehow it, it makes for a good story on what could go wrong. Think about things that could go right. Reverse it. And I would always say, when you're faced with your fears, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, for a lot of people, it's a pine box going out the door. But otherwise, you'll recover no matter what it is. And I can tell you that from experience, you'll recover. All right. I want to thank you so much. I know you have to um, rush off to another commitment. We're so glad you were able to um, drop in and have this conversation with us. And um, I encourage everyone to check out her book. It is fantastic. I've only read the um, one that has to do with work. So I'm waiting to read the other one too. So, all right. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. For those of you um, who are listening, who are um, facing a job loss, or you have someone in your life who might be facing a job loss, I want to encourage you to check out my book, Career Restart, Practical Advice for Surviving and Moving Forward After a Job Loss. It's available on Amazon. It's a quick read that starts with strategies for handling a layoff meeting and ends up with strategies for transitions into a new job. And it builds a lot on some of the things that we talked about today, how to handle that fear, the the fear of speaking up, 
during a layoff meeting, the fear of telling your friends that you've been laid off, the fear of going into an interview after you've been laid off. So um, I encourage you to pick it up. It's a quick read. I hope you enjoy it. For those of you that are listening on iTunes, Spotify, or another platform that lets you rate our show and leave comments, please let me know how we are doing. Career Central is committed to bringing practical career advice to you each week. Your feedback will help us achieve that goal. If there is a topic or a person that you would like to hear on our show, let me know. I've kind of built up a reputation of, I'll say this in the nicest way, stalking people to get them to um, come and share their wisdom on the show. If you would um, like to email me suggestions, you can send an email to careercentralhost at gmail.com. That's careercentralhost at gmail.com. Our guest next week is Marie Zimanoff. She's been a friend for a long time. She's also the executive director of Career Thought Leaders. She will be sharing the career trends we should be considering as we develop our career plans. Career Thought Leaders for the last, oh, I think about 10 years has brought together international leaders in the career field to um, share ideas and thoughts. They look at what's happening now and they start to make um, projections. I know some of you probably listened to our conversation with Chris Bishop. He talked about how to look at industries and predict, um, you know, growing industries. We're going to talk a lot about things like changing work, changing education, some of the things that these folks um, see coming on the horizon. And I can tell you that you look back at the paper they created 10 years ago and it was just spot on. I want you to remember our um, five second challenge for today. Um, I thought that Jacqueline had a really, really good idea. And that is to, if you're getting that little voice that says, oh, I'm never successful, or I can't do this, or the imposter syndrome I know sometimes hits in the middle of the night before a job and you have a dream that you get to work and you have no idea what you're doing. So what she's saying is when you hear that little voice, test it, write it down. What is that little voice telling you? And is it true? Is it factual? Then go out and do something that will test your theories, you know, have that conversation either directly with the person you need to talk to or with somebody that can give you some advice on how to conversation. So before we end the show, I want to remind you what I remind you every single week. And that is I'm Lorraine Beeman. I am here to help you meet and listen to speakers on, in career management. I want you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it. As our guest said today several times, you are the one that needs to make that decision on how you're going to move, move forward. So until our next show, um, manage your career, send me those ideas on who you'd like us to talk to, and we will be bringing you the guests that will help you help your career. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.